say that anymore because uh, that is always my tribute to my hero broadcaster Brent Musburger. He said a lot of really dumb shit lately. Oh, well, he's old and white. He's old and white and you know we we didn't want to hold that against him but now he's, you know, he's not helping. So, no Al Michaels, but he's no Al Michaels, that's for sure. And um, it in either case of the Although, well, uh, I I think uh, Al's political opinions are also out there on the internet as well, if you yeah. follow them. Anyway, so USF 33, Cincinnati 3. By the way, well, before this podcast gets started, Tyler McConnell. Tyler has not joined us on the podcast before, but he's been on the Facebook Live page. Say hi, Tyler. Happy to be here. Tyler, um, 30 seconds. Why do you work here at Bulls Radio? What do you do? Why and what year of student are you? And why aren't you in class with the other Tyler right now? Okay, so... I am the sports coordinator here at Bulls Radio. I work here uh, because uh, the past two years I was a volunteer here, kind of just working my way up. And last year when Tyler and Tito were at the helm, Tyler, you know, wanted me to come on to be the coordinator. So this year I was able to get the position, and that's where I am. I'm not in class because I have a different schedule, and it just so happened that the class I was supposed to have around this time did not happen so yeah there you go oh compelling radio so um <laughs> you're so mean i'm so mean my goodness we always pick on the new guys i know I man I, hey hey i'm god you gotta do what you gotta do it is what we do around here i'm exhausted by the way i am absolutely fried i was up all night i had a meeting this morning i'm gonna probably put together one of my worst shows ever but yeah, I'm I'm probably going to be terrible today. Nate's in better spirits though because he's off today. Yeah, that's although, nice. Although, although I do have to work at four a.m. So yeah, where is it? it four a.m. Once I get home, I may sleep until four a.m. and then beyond. So USF thirty three, Cincinnati three. USF good, not great. Cincinnati oh bad. oh they're so bad. They're mm-hmm. so bad. Hayden Moore is terrible. Awful. How did Awful. I ever think that kid, I like saw that kid come in and and replace you know fifteenth year starter uh, who's the kid Gunner uh, Keel Brett yeah Gunner Keel and and you come in and I go oh well, look at this this he kid's pretty good. good he might be pretty good nope yeah he stinks nope. um that that end of half interception pick six by Augie Sanchez is maybe the second most embarrassing play ever committed on that field by an opponent of the Bulls behind the Rutgers screen for a safety out of their own end zone. Yeah, I would. Yep. You know, I can't, I can't think of anything else. Anything. And the only worse. other untimed down that I can recall is the Florida state game, 2012, 2012. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that former head coach of USF complained and complained, got the call, wanted the, uh, the untimed down. 
PJ Daniels' helmet uh, had popped off. So, oh, right. Uh, Matt Floyd had to come in. Uh, mm. The left tackle got hurt on the same play. So backup left tackle, backup quarterback. Fuck it. Strip sack. We're going to throw. Yeah, we're going to throw. Strip sack. I think it was uh, Bjorn Warner scoops and scores, and then mm. uh, Florida State never looks back. Never looks back. Although they were winning that game 100 times out of 100 anyway. It was amazing that we were that close at that point. Uh, yes. So, um, as Charlie Strong said today, not not great, Bob. Not real happy. He was frustrated. He was, um, st- you know, talked about all three phases, talked about the team still hasn't put together a pl- complete performance, but was also not afraid to say, we have a very good football team. So he thinks they're very good. He also thinks they haven't really put it all together yet. So kind of a good sign, I guess, for USF. Yeah, and they they haven't. They have not put together a complete game. <clears throat> Another 14 penalties. That kills you. A bunch of 15-yarders. A lot of 130-some yards in penalties. Yeah, uh, 137. Jeez. bunch of 15-yarders. There was the, the sideline interference on uh, Coach BJ, which Woo! I watched the game last night. And I didn't really get it. Um it didn't look like he was on the white chalk. It looked like he was on the white tarp. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when the ref looks like an idiot and falls down, he's going to have to do something because he can't just say, well, I tripped over a blade of grass. Yeah. Charlie also had some words to say about the referees, especially on the uh, the botched punt by yeah. the Bearcats, which mm-hmm. could have been a safety, could have not, been a, because, been a safety. because Devin Gray, the returner, bobbled the ball. He didn't really have complete control, though. But then as the ball was rolling towards the end zone, he appeared to kick it, and it could have been ruled to safety, but nothing was called. It was weird. It was very weird from uh, my perspective as well. I was That was just a very odd play, so not sure. It looked to me like illegal batting in the end zone, which would be a safety. So I looked up the rule, and, and I was you know on my, doing it on my cell phone via PDF, so I didn't like, like get too deep, but having checked it a couple days ago, I mean, if you make if you make contact with the ball with the intention of being the impetus to move it mm-hmm. in a different direction, that is illegal batting. So it would seem to qualify under that. And if you will, if you commit that penalty in the end zone, that would be a safety. So and it's just it's so weird that you know he touches it at like the seven yard line, and if the ball stays at the one and right. USF recovers it, it's USF's ball because he touched the ball. Right. But since it went to the end zone, mm-hmm. it's going to be a touchback for Cincinnati. Right. That's a quirk in the rules or that's his something. Om- it's almost as bad as the fumble past the pylon rule, which is the dumbest rule in football. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, the, the New York Jets would the Jets know a thing or two. Yeah, that, yeah, weird stuff. But anyway, that was that was definitely a weird part of the game. But, um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, especially on, on Saturday, just how furious Charlie Strong was. That was probably the most angry, I think, we've seen him up to this point, he was not not with the team won by thirty. But could, you could tell just how frustrated he was with the penalties and the miscues, and still not quite putting it together in the red zone just yet. So, it's, I, I I personally I think it's good to see him annoyed about a lot of that stuff because that sure. stuff you want to see them correct. And I think they will correct. Like you know, that's you know, there's. There's a lot to be said for this team and how they have shown a certain resilience this year, especially since Stony Brook. Like, 
it's got to be hard to maintain your focus too when you're just beating the hell out of everyone you know i mean you just sort of know that you can go through the motions and get the win and i i know you're supposed to be you know hungry and want to beat up on everybody else but what one football hurts you know and two these are 18 to 22 year old kids you know they're gonna read stuff that idiots like us write about on them on the internet. They're gonna the rat poison. The rat poison. That they're gonna see the 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 ranking next to their name. They're gonna know that nobody's even touched them this year, legitimately. And you know, it's not even the the media per se. It's their friends and family that are Doesn't also gonna be pumping them up. It's sure. I mean, we're we're just two people. We're just we're throw, just a, we're just one little site. We're just gasoline on the fire, though. That yeah, fire. We're just it's, adding it's a little friends. Bit, a little bit of flame to I that torch. That really gets it, and he'll get it fixed. It's concerning that through six games they have you know this many penalties, and that they're still pretty undisciplined when it comes to certain things. Um, so the so the 15-yard penalty is like <clears throat> some of them are good and some of them are bad. Sideline warning, sideline infractions, those are bad, but. Like, if you're taking runs at guys and getting 15-yarders, well, that means you're taking runs at guys and they're only calling them every once in a while. And some of the time you're getting away with it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's not a lot of correlation between penalties and winning. Teams that take a lot of penalties also tend to win a lot of games because it's what's not getting called that they're getting away with that is really helpful in the long run, too. So I, I try not to worry too much about the penalties. I do worry about this, the, the galactically stupid ones like sideline sideline warnings and th- stuff after the whistle and stuff like that. Like You want to stay away from that. But you know, if you take the occasional personal foul, it means you probably get away with a personal foul or two as well. You know, they don't le- call everything. But at least with, with big penalties like sideline warnings or excessive celebration or whatnot, that's stuff that you could, you could easily remove in, in games or you could take that out. And that's just stuff that... Yeah. You know, you'd only see every once in a while. Right. So uh, it, while it's it's obviously not good and it can obviously hurt, you're, you in a situation, especially, you know, against tougher conference teams down the road, hinting at a certain Black Friday contest, if you will. But even some of the other games, you just you don't want to you don't want to get too many big penalties like that. But I, I definitely think that that's that's correctable stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to you know, circle back to the game. The offense did enough. Yeah, they did enough. They scored, what, 20, 26 points, really? Mm-hmm. Stalled out in the red zone again. Jamie wanted I, – I wasn't able to watch the game live on Saturday, so I watched it last night, and I asked I asked our Slack channel, I said, is there anything you guys want me to look at look into while I'm rewatching the game? Because I you know, can fast-forward, rewind, pause, and everything. And Jamie wanted me to look at – when USF tries to hurry up and run another play after a chunk play. And there's an interesting pattern to this. So first quarter, they did it three times, all up the middle. Dearness got up the middle for a first down. It was a third and three. I think that was the the only third down that they did it on. Most of them happened on first down. After a big uh, D'Angelo Antoine catch, Marcus Norman fall starts on the next play. So that kind of sets them back. And then on second and two, Tice goes up the middle for a first down. Second quarter, Quinn Flowers gets a big uh, first down run. Dearness Johnson goes up the middle. At left tackle Eric Mays pulls, which is a, a wrinkle that we haven't really seen when they do the hurry up. But it went for two yards. And 
the only time it popped was on Tyson's 11-yard touchdown run in the red zone. And, I mean, is it is it worth it? Because every single run is up the middle. Yeah, I think if, if you're doing it to, to try and catch them to get the free play or to get the extra five yards, sure. But if you're just doing it to do it because it's, you know, part of your system, no. You know, I, I like it in situations like we, you know, we talked about in the press conference, the Aaron Rodgers spot where, you know, he gets up there and he, he gets the hurry up on real quick because he knows he's going to be able to catch them in a substitution infraction. And he's mm-hmm. really good about awareness and picking that up. In that spot, I get it, but I hate when teams hurry up inside the five, in the plus five. Yeah. You know, when you're in a goal line situation, because one of the reasons that the hurry up would work is that the safeties would generally be back in it. You know, if they're having to cover, more, you know, 60, 70 yards of field, then yeah, you're, you're going to play your safeties higher and that's fine. But in a goal line situation, everybody's walked up near the line anyway. So the advantage that you get from the hurry up snap isn't really as much as it would be when there's less defenders in the box. Mm-hmm. So I I always hated it, you know, when teams go try and hurry up and, and punch it in inside the five. But I'm not a huge fan. Just just run your stuff, man. You got good players. You got better players than the other team. Just just do you. You know, I, I don't think that the speed is necessary there. I don't think we're moving as fast as we were at other points this season, too. Just snap the snap anyway. No, I think they've actually kind of slowed it down. I was... I, I took notice of that as well. Like, even though I think they ran, you know, 12 hurry up snaps out of what close to 60 plays, over 60 plays, mm-hmm. and 80, 83 plays. Wow. It didn't even seem like that much. They, they, they bled the clock a little bit. I mean, they, they won the time of possession battle by 29 seconds, whatever. But their drives were pretty long and sustained when they got going. Like the first uh, few drives, they were, you know, seven, eight plays. And, you know, Quentin was, you know, taking his time. And there were a few times where the clock got down to zero and he had to hurry it up. Remember, they had to call a timeout. And he he seemed very frustrated that the play wasn't getting put in Mm -hmm. quicker. So we've also talked about this entire, I want to hear what you think about this as well, is that you know, all of USF's offense is, it's read-based. You know what I mean? Like, everything that's going in there, everybody talks about the, well, they're just handing it off up the middle, handing it off the middle. There's three, there's at least three options on that play as well. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody talks about, they see the, the run up the middle or the, you know, like, what, what looks like an, an A-gap dive. It's not what it is. It's either an A-gap dive. Theoretically, if the, the unblocked defender comes at the running back directly, Flyer's supposed to pull it loop behind that guy mm-hmm. and then usually to the back side there's a passing option or a, or a, a, to the front side there's a pass option and on the back side sometimes there's a screen option as well so like there's multiple options coming out of these plays are we sure quentin's making the right decision in these spots because i you know i don't think we have seen quentin play his best football yet this season that's for sure oh 100 percent you know, he is not. Yeah, and I mean, this is not Memphis 2016 Quentin. No. You know, not at all. It was, what, 22 25? This, we haven't seen anything close to that kind of Quentin. Well, uh, we did hear it from Quentin uh, on Saturday how mm-hmm. he was asked about it, and he did mention that a lot of it is on the reads, and he even said himself, uh, I'm not just, I'm not making the right reads at certain times. So if he's admitting to that, then maybe, maybe it is more the fact that in some of those situations where it does look like just to run up the middle maybe he'd be better off taking himself or getting the pass out there which whichever is available and i guess that's a little reassuring to at least hear him say 
you know, it's it's on me to 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 make the right reads in those situations. That maybe that's something going forward that they you know he could try to work on himself. Maybe recognizing you know what options are available on those plays that it just looks like just a mill run right up the middle. So. I, I find that encouraging, at least, for him to at least admit that there's more to these plays than meets the eye. But, I, I you know, we just want to see maybe a little bit more and maybe him make one or two of those decisions to kind of say, oh, you know what, there's more to these plays than we think. And that, if, you know, if he makes a different read, then maybe they get more of an explosive play mm-hmm. out of it. I would, I would add on, read options did no matter the offense, it's the same concepts, it's the same rules that are applying. So, what what's different with him from last year when he was he was making the right reads probably eighty five to ninety percent of the time, right? And now this year, you know, is it fifty percent of the time he's making the right reads? Oh, I, I think it's more than that. I think he's doing. I mean, you know, it's. I think he's better than fifty, but I I, I don't know if he's at ninety. But again, it's so tough for us to tell because on you know we have to. You need the all twenty-two film to really know, and you also kind of have to know the play call as well to to really get that right. But I don't think Quentin has played his best football this year. I don't know what's going on, or if you know if it's just not a comfort with this particular offense. If they've given him, you know, more to do or less to do, I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. can't tell. I mean, it's been a little bit of both. <laughs> it's been talked about ad nauseum about the trash talk that he's been getting the season and it it showed up against Cincinnati and uh, he's he's talking back he's talking back more than he had in the past and it there's potential that it's it's gotten into his head I I hate projecting that from you know from a seat where we're sitting up you know a hundred and some feet away and can't hear a thing and see what what's getting in his head and what's not or but I don't think he's played his best yet and uh you know, but I, given this, after the after, like Tyler said, you know, after the game, he's like, it's on me. You know, he was totally, you know, I got to make better. He said, I got to make better reads. I mean, that's you know something that came right out of his mouth. So good on him for that. And you know, I just I hope that he can get a chance to to play better. And he's going to get a shot against Slane this week because you know they're not great. They're so, not. They're not great. They're not great, um, especially defensively. No, so. they they certainly had an opportunity to maybe look better than they they could have but they took they got a, paused a up. tough a tough loss to, <laughs> to FIU was that, that Butch Jones Butch Davis it's the Butch fight Davis. Josh Pell, sir fighting Josh Pell. <laughs> fighting Josh Pell. but um, I mean you look at it they 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 you know they're coming off the win against Tulsa which they obliterated them 62 to 28 I know Tulsa's not not great this year but I mean Tulsa's defense for is for atrocious but for a two-lane yeah. team that has needed some type of spark the past couple of years. Maybe, you know, maybe that was the start of thing, but they, they laid an egg against FIU. So I don't think that you look at this game as, as much of a threat as it. maybe if they had beaten FIU a little bit more convincingly, Oh, you never know, but that didn't help their cause. So it opened at 11. Last I saw it was 12 and a half. Uh, USF only swept. So remember they beat FIU by 13. And then USF's only an 11 and 11 point favorite when it opens, so figure that one out because I sure as hell can't. They run and plus, you know, for fans who haven't seen Tulane in a while, we're never because somehow, despite being in the same conference for all these years, we've never actually played them before, and in both the USA and in the American. But they run an option offense, 
And uh, we talked to Charlie Strong about that a little bit today. It's not the triple option that you're used to with Navy, which is, you know, running veer and inverted veer and then, you know, backs diving and things like that. You know, they zone block just like you would zone block a zone read play, but they option off of it, you know, so you're going to have, you know, one guy's going to have quarterback, one guy's going to have the pitch man, and, you know, one guy's going to be, you know, covering the dive as well. And... That's what USF's going to need to defend. They're just going to need to discipline stay in gaps. The agents and I talked about that today was that, you know, they really focused on discipline football, had on a hat, assignment football. That's kind of what they were trying to focus on today because when you play option teams, that's what you need to be aware of. But because even though Tulane does run a lot of option, they also aren't afraid to pull it, throw it down the field. So they mix in more of a running style offense, not really a spread, but an option. And then off of that, they'll use that to – throw the ball down the field and get vertical. Mm-hmm. And let's wrap up the Cincy uh, defensively. They were great. Outside oh, USF was. Yeah. Outside the first two drives, Cincinnati didn't really do much until late in the game when the game was already in hand. Uh, Greg Reeves, another amazing performance. At, at former walk-on has taken control of this defense. I mean, he, led, he was all over the yep. film. Eight tackles. Five solo, half a sack, tackle, half, uh, tackle and a half for loss. There was a few times where he was already in the backfield when the ball was snapped. They had timed it up. I asked Deidre today, did did you guys have their count? Did you find the tell? They were going on two. They were going on two. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that makes life easier for you guys. And, you know, him, Reeves, and Mike Love were getting so much push on the edge that, frankly, we haven't seen in a few years. Right. It's nice to see your ends play well because it's typically our D tackles have been historically the better defensive linemen outside right. of your JPPs and Selvies. But it's good to see we have some competent ends. So uh, that will be also important because, you know, Tulane has been able to, to score the ball. I mean, putting up 62 on Tulsa, that's not saying too much because Tulsa's not good. But um, they have been able to put big numbers on people. That push, they haven't seen a push like they're going to get mm-hmm. from USF's front four, and and you know the the ability of the you know Sautel, Nichols, and and Sanchez to you know they're going to be the guys who are going to be filling in and you know taking away when the width of the field gets used because they're going to they're going to pitch the wide side of the field a lot. They're not going to go to the boundary. They're going to go to the field side, and the ability to get in there and, and, you know, make plays in space and, and tackle, you know, one-on-one and get pushed. And I don't think they're going to have seen anybody who can do that like USF yet. Absolutely. And they did the three, three, five with Reeve standing up as uh, what Senna calls the Fox, the Mm -hmm. odd man front with Reeves as the Fox. And, you know, sometimes they flipped love and Reeves, and they would interchange what they would do. I've, we saw both of them drop into coverage. So they would go zone. And they would cover. They would go curl to flat, stuff like that. That they look good doing it. They look. Man. Their hips are fluid. They're you know they're getting open and being able to cover some ground. So it's it's good to see that you know Coach BJ has the confidence and the players to do what he wants to do on defense. And it, it's it's really a bore out through this season. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's just encouraging to see the defensive unit just do what they've been doing all year, and the the run defense has been I you know it explains a lot to to as to why the run defense has been so strong because they get such a good push 
off the line, and especially if they were anticipating the snap count as well as they were against Cincinnati. I mean, in the first in the, in the first quarter, uh, Cincinnati was at least adjusting for a minute. They were getting the ball out of Moore's hands a little bit quicker with some screens and stuff, and it was working for for a moment. They were getting some good yardage out of it, trying to move the ball quickly, but it, it got to a point where they just they just abandoned it and. Mm-hmm. As soon as that happened, USF USF made their adjustments. They got right back to it, and they just got a bigger push in the end. But it, it was interesting that Cincinnati kind of just let off a little bit what was what was working at first. But again, it, it it does show that USF has done a good job of just getting that initial pressure off off the ball and just the, the entire front four has just been been good at it all year. It's not like there's one or two guys that have made play. Greg Reeves obviously has been phenomenal, but everybody's been contributing. And when mm-hmm. everybody's on like they are, that's that's trouble for opposing offenses. You can talk all you want about scheme and all that kind of stuff. You can get pressure with four at any level of football. You don't need the blitz, and you can just get to the quarterback with four and quickly. It's going to make everybody else look a hell of a lot smarter. Yep. So. Absolutely. Sometimes it's that simple. And, I mean, this is Cincinnati's drive chart. So they went punt, punt, field goal, missed field goal. And then after that, punt, five plays, negative five yards. Punt, three plays, four yards. Interception. (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. And then their first play of the third quarter, three and out. Second, uh, Second possession, three and out. Fumble, downs, punt, game. You can't. You can't draw it up any better. Pretty good. Pretty good. And Charlie was pissed. Furious. <laughs> I've not put a game together in all three phases. Defense, I think, put it together against Cincinnati. Offense, left a ton out there, especially in the red zone. Um, special teams, Nadelman. Money, money Emilio. in the bank. AAC. Money. Special teams player of the week. There four you go. for four. I didn't realize for the thirtieth point he doinked that off the upright. Oh yeah, yeah. Was there, was, there was the was there close. was the flat. So his... see, this is what well, I, was, this is what I was... missed when I didn't watch it live. There was the flag was... on the, the first attempt. Yeah, there was a false start, and they had to move it back. And then on that and second he attempt, he doinks it off the left almost upright. Missed. Yeah. So got it through. Hey man, I, um, I, I'm pretty sure I heard him call bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hadn't met Emilio face to face before. Um He's uh, he's vertically challenged. Um, he is vertically challenged. He's quite quite vertically challenged. He's about um, five six. Oh yeah, I'll I'll take the under. And <laughs> um, oh, what? Yeah, he if he's five six if he's five six in the media guide, he's, he's not five six. He's five one. <laughs> no, nobody listed five six accurately in the media guide. That does not happen. I also got to ask him about kicking at Ray J because some comments going around about how you know. Other USF kickers, not a he kicker. He is, uh, side note, he is listed 5'6". Yeah, okay. Maybe about 5'4". Five, 5'6", five, five, in, in Manolo Blahniks. So, I, I also asked him, and he said, right this is weird because of the, the, the way the winds swirl there. It, he just, he described it as swirly. Oh, yeah, I could see that with the open ends and you know, the way that you know the, the bounces off the scoreboard because the old scoreboards were the, much smaller and the, there's like there's a few tunnels that would yeah. have wind plus the pirate ship probably doesn't yeah things just bounce off the yeah. swirl. Just try telling weird. that the Bucks kickers, right? That's why we asked them because <laughs> like you know the Bucks can't find anybody to kick the damn thing straight. So USF, I would we should actually do an analysis between Kloss and Nadelman compared to the Bucks kickers of the last three four years. I'm sure they're absolutely killing them at home. 
Absolutely. What's, what are we supposed to talk about next, Nate? You're in charge. I'm really tired. Um, we can go ahead and do, I mean, we've kind of started it. Tulane preview. We kind of went over the press conference a little bit. I thought it, Deidre was great during the press conference. He's he had some. He's a nice kid. Had some great quotes. Told us Charlie, Charlie and his medicine. Charlie's just not on his meds <laughs> anymore, so that's good. Nothing really. Uh, D'Angelo Antoine talked to us, and he, you know, he said he wasn't wasn't quite ready for the ECU game, and just he didn't feel comfortable running around on it, and didn't want to hurt himself. Got the bye week, came back, made made the impact he normally does. Um, what you know, out of the slot, twenty yard catches. I think he has like five or I'm six. I'm excited. I want to. I want to see more what he can do because he's, yeah, he's, he's he's special. He's, quick. he's a special kid. Tajay Fullwood is apparently uh, good to go, looking good. So that's that's good that he'll be back. Yeah, I didn't really miss him. I, that's the thing is like Tajay Fullwood's a very good football player, and he goes down, and you're still just smoking everybody. Like that's this that's this team against the schedule. You know? And you get injuries, and it's just sort of like you know Delo goes out for three games, and Delo was in the press conference today with us as well. Uh, D'Angelo Antoine for, or, you know, like guys like that, like you, you lose guys and you go, wow, that guy's a really good playmaker. He's an impact guy. And you're still beating everybody by 30 plus. Like, come on. It's mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's it, a fun place to be though, ain't it, boy? It, man, it's so much better than it was five years ago. I'll tell you yeah, what, boy. where was this? Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm glad I missed out on the, the dark days. Oh my God. Hot dang. You know, and and again, thank you, Skip Holtz, for all of these great players. Wait, no, 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 none of them are your recruits. They're all gone, and that, that's why we're good again because all of your players are gone, and you're paid off in exactly seventy-four days, seventy-five days until Skip Holtz is paid off, ladies and gentlemen. Seventy-five get, more days. Get your champagne ready. You know, the Peach Bowl is not just a celebration of USF football; <laughs> it's also the last day of Skip Holtz's contract. Just throwing it out there, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Man. Good for him. <laughs> Do you want to do Twitter and Facebook questions? What are we doing? Yeah, um, I'll just say uh, Darnell Solomon looked pretty pretty good. He caught the ball well. He had one bounce off his face mask, but and he also missed a block. He missed a block. He had and on the previous play before he had the drop. He had a block that if he if he just popped it, I, I think it was Quentin. He he just totally whiffed the block. Mm-hmm. It would have sprung Quentin for like I don't know all of the yards. But Quentin would have <laughs> run to Kennedy Boulevard. If he'd, but uh, he's a, he's another guy that you want to you want to see just develop. And just continue because, you know, like he has looked good at some times, but then, you know, we obviously he's had a couple of miscues, but that kid's crazy talented. Like the talent is just, it's, it's so ridiculous. How talented I mean, he led the team in catches. So, I think that's so the first good. time yeah. in his career he's led the team in catches. So. By the way, nobody catches the ball for more than 50 yards. Nope. I mean, that's just spread and the ball everywhere, man. Everybody's going to get a taste, but nobody's going to dominate. Marquez Valdez-Scanling had eight targets for three catches and 16 yards. I mean, it, that's. I would say that's mostly on Quentin. I was going to say that. Um, his deep ball has been well, missing. Yeah. So if you guys find it, can you bring it back to athletics? He'll find. He'll return, find it. return to sender. Are we? Are we sure he's not hurt? He's never going to tell us if he's hurt. He, he could. They could roll him out there like Hannibal Lecter. Okay. Put him behind center, and he would just not ever tell us that he's hurt. No, I just think the trash talking's gone to his head. I, I I hate I hate getting in guys' heads. I I really really hate doing that. Word. I, I, uh, I'll do it then. I know it makes me uncomfortable. I know, uh, but you, seem, you know you have a right to think the, those things. You're out there, but I just oh, I hate 
keep thinking that. But yeah, he's he's definitely woofing back more than he was before. That's for sure. So it could be that, and you know. All right, let's get over my discomfort and ask some Twitter questions. All right, so we got some Twitter questions. Let's let's start with a fun one. Okay. Okay. This is uh this is from I think last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Tommy Sander at T A Sander eleven. Okay. Hashtag things safer than UCF Stadium. <laughs> Most of the third world. Carnival rides. Tyler, you got one. Hmm. Okay, I'll go again. The elevator in Cooper Hall. The <laughs> Shikra without a safety harness. Parking hmm. at Leroy Collins parking garage. Yep. The uh, neighborhood behind the University Mall. Okay. I used to live there. Hmm. Uh, Fletch Mart. That's the Walmart on Fletcher, if you guys don't know. <laughs> Fletch Mart, yes. I-4. Mm. That might be a stretch. Eh. Nah. Military service? <laughs> Overseas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um... Swimming in the Atlantic. There's a rumor that there are some USF fans who are going to show up at uh, that stadium with um, something to commemorate their stadium <laughs> struggles. Oh boy, I, I have I I better not reveal, but it's pretty damn funny if they pull it off. <laughs> I just don't well, think it's the stadium. You'll you'll it. find out. <laughs> you'll find out. I I am when I heard it, I I died laughing, but I I, I can't really. I don't know if I'm allowed to share. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, as it were. All right, what else? All right, let's let's see. We got we got a few. Um, this is from Kieran at Bolts Bucks Rays. <laughs> um, do you believe the rumors from SI that Charlie isn't happy at USF and will be coaching at P five school in two thousand eighteen? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, you know, I, I talked about this on Twitter a little bit this week. Look, he ain't uh, staying, guys. Why would he? That's, Why that's would he just, stay? That's just the nature of where this, you are. Of this, so this conference. Worst case scenario, you go. Eleven and one with if you you know if you lose on Black Friday still win the bowl game. He might not even be here by the bowl game. Yeah. So especially if yeah. So ten and one. So ten and one. How you gonna improve your life? I mean, but even if you're, you know, even if you're twelve and zero, like, why are you gonna be here? Why are you gonna be here? Tennessee's gonna be open. Yeah. If it's Arkansas, he's a graduate of Central Arkansas. And who knows Arkansas's if uh, Florida. Florida, Florida. 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 Florida is going to be open. Ole Miss is already open. So there's going to be a lot of good SEC jobs out there. It's a leak he knows. It's a place where he cares. It's amazing that SEC can't find good coaching. It's I, amazing. I, I mean, as Nick Saban, uh, you want to throw Gus Malzahn in there? You know, I'll throw this out there. If Charlie Strong gets hired in any position in the SEC East, maybe except for Kirby, because it looks like Kirby's putting it together at Georgia. He might be the best coach in the SEC East from the second he signs his contract. That's fair. I I 100 percent agree. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, that's just how bad. That's just it's how so bad. That's just the mediocrity of you know of the SEC East. Yeah. Like especially that that side of the division. And by the way, it's not just us because Scott Frost already has a real estate agent in Nebraska. I, I, he's got to. Oh yeah. I, he's got. I don't. I I'm not saying that officially. I'm just saying I don't see how. It just makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. You know, he they need to bring in up tempo 
they cannot continue to hit people in the mouth the way that they have. They're not Wisconsin. They're not Wisconsin, and and they can't continue to run that system. He he can play fast. He's got huge ties to the area. It's his alma mater. He will he will get the patience that other coaches like Polini didn't get, you know, or Riley, or you know, he'll he'll get the time that he mm-hmm. needs to build it. He's the right guy for that job. They should hire him. I think Charlie Strong is absolutely the right guy for Florida too. Oh yeah, and, and if they Again, want, that's another one that just makes too much, just too sense. much sense. Unfortunately, it, it, it sucks pains for us. to say it, but you know, and but this is where you are. Your TV contract is two point five million dollars a year, and the SEC schools get twenty one times that, just in TV money. That doesn't that, even count all the other revenue. Not changing for a little while, uh, so. ever, yeah. if at all. <laughs> right, the, your your contract is up in twenty twenty, so it's gonna be a while. Yep. Go all right. Next question this is from. Smitty at E Smith three eleven. Your thoughts on the red zone offensive play calling? Uh, I think Quentin's not executing super great, and I think it's also possible that um, there are some calls there that have been a bit conservative. But again, when you're going to blow everybody out, why use your best red zone plays? Because that's where you need you know your bet. You save your best plays for that spot. You know when you mm-hmm. really need to get a touchdown when you're inside you know inside their twenty or especially even as you get closer inside the 10, inside the 5, the toughest places to score is, you know, from the 10 to the 4. Yeah. You know, once you get a little closer than that, then you can just start to push. But. And you mentioned you mentioned the blowouts. There's really only one game so far that's even been close, and that was okay. the Stony Brook game. Other than that, you know, every other game has ended in uh, a blowout. So, yeah, why why open things up as big as, you know, you, you'd like when there's not much pressure to do it, especially right. when... You know, if you're blowing people out like that, you, you know, even I mean, even if you don't get the, the touchdowns you want, you still got Emilio Nadelman who's just been, you know, on the money. So, you, right. you know, if you get points anyway, sure, and a blow But in a closer game, that I think that's when we'll have to see, you know, what they'll do. But we haven't really had a game like that. So, you know. That's why after the Stony Brook game, I was pretty worried because I thought they were super, super conservative in that game in a spot where, you know, you're losing on your home field to an FCS team in in the second half, which shouldn't ever happen with mm-hmm. a team this talented. So I can understand the concerns, but unfortunately, we're all probably going to find out too late. And if it, if it isn't good, we're all going to find out on Black Friday, you know, and maybe not before then. Because there's just not enough of the schedule to test between now and then. I really, the only, the only real other test you could say would be Houston coming in after Tulane, but that's really about it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's 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 got to be a combination of you know just make well Charlie has said execution, just executing things better. It's got to be a combination of that and making better reads and maybe just. You know, being conservative. I think all those things are fair to say. Yeah. We're all going to find out, but we're going to find out too late. Yep. All right. Next question. This from T Ready at T Ready One. Who would win 2011 Taggart Coach Bulls versus 2000, or excuse me, 2017 Taggart Coach Bulls versus 2017 Strong Coach Bulls? Strong Coach Bulls because Taggart probably still keeps Woody as defensive coordinator and it's an abomination. Yeah, I think this team's better. Um, I think the offense is a little worse, but I think the team is absolutely better yep. because the defense is just really good. They've been really, really good. Now they need to get tested against you know somebody, and there are some teams on the schedule coming up that you know Houston, Tulsa, that can score. 
Um, they're not going to win because they can't stop anything, but they can score. So it'll be a nice test to see if this defense is as good as we think they might be. Mm-hmm. This is from Hem Unit. How does Tulane toss 62 on Tulsa then lose to FIU? But Tulsa beats Tulane. Is it just me or are things all over the place here? So I think here's what we know. I'm going to give you everything you know about the American Athletic Conference 2017 football season. UCF is very good. USF is very good. Everything else, who the hell knows? I, I you know, Navy might be okay. Memphis might be okay. Yeah, I mean, you Memphis know. has had some. Memphis is one of the more legal slash injury troubles of late. So right. it's hard to tell. Yeah. Riley Ferguson may look off, but he he was he was decent um, over the weekend. And and but, and then the game against UCLA was great. You know? Yeah, but like then he made some huge throws. And then they get smashed by UCF. And they go out and beat they they've been weird. Then they beat Navy, so I don't know. It's hard to predict a lot of these teams. Our I guess our colleague, but he's a lot better at his job than we are. Mm. Bill Connolly has mm-hmm. UCF their ninth in S and P plus this year. Right. Um they've only played five games, so there's still some preseason projections in there. Which means once the preseason projections come out, they would be higher. Right. Okay. So they're ninth with preseason in there, and they'd be higher if it was. They'd be they'd be higher. I think at one point they were like third Look without kid. the preseason proje- projections. Hey, hey kids, they're they're really good. So they're uh, really. I good. the thing that that's crazy to me is that I think Mackenzie Millen was sacked one time, and that was against Cincinnati. Wow, and that that that's about it. So that's that that's pretty telling for me that mm-hmm. they they have barely been able to get. And, and part of that is because they get the ball out so quickly. Um, but they also haven't seen a defense yet. They haven't seen a defense anywhere close to what USF is, I yeah. think. I mean, I think Memphis so. was probably their best bet, but they lost a few guys yeah. prior to that game. Um, we'll just go to the next question. This is uh, from Michael Fisher at MFish27. Going off Charlie being here next year. Mm-hmm. Um, what does he say to a recruit if, when they ask him, are you going to be here next year? Are you going to be here in four years? You say that, look, son. I want you to pick this school because it's the right institution for you, because it's a great place to get a good education. It's in your home state. It is a place where you'll be able to compete for a starting position right away. Um, blah, 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 blah. Don't come to USF for me or my coaching staff. Come for the education. Come for the institution. That's what he's supposed to say. What he's saying, I don't know. But look, man, got some players. We're all going to find out second week in December. You know, with the, with the new early signing date this year, kind of changes everything. Are some of these guys not going to sign because they want to see if Charlie sticks around for the late signing day in February? Don't blame them. I wouldn't blame them if they did. I think the early signing day is going to be a boon for the Alabamas of the world. You know, just they're going to be able to knock out two thirds, you know, three quarters of their class. You know, even earlier before anybody can touch it. So I think it's going to be a boon for the bigger schools. Um, but for the schools like us that are in the squish between, you know, do you want to sit the bench at a SEC school or, or a, you know, or maybe where we're competing with some lower-end Big 12 schools that are coming into Florida and trying to get kids? Or do you want to play, you know, in your home state against a softer schedule but have a chance to compete right away and play in front of your hometown people? Like, you know, p- kids that are stuck in that, that – Three star to very low four star range. Yeah, the early signing day changes the dynamic for them too. So 
I, it, with everything new and with the early signing day this year, I think it's just too soon to tell. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it for all the uh, Twitter questions. Oh, it is? So, yeah. Hooray. All right, let's just do a quick fall, other fall sports recap. So, uh, men's soccer lost uh, UConn on Saturday night 2 nothing, I believe. Fire everyone. Um, Kidding. I, I recall seeing a couple of highlights where USF had a couple of shots on goal. I think one hit went off the post. Another was just a great save. Uh, women's soccer hasn't played since last week, but they have two games this week. Uh, Temple on Thursday and then UConn on Sunday. Both, uh, both soccers are NCAA tournament bound, correct? Right now, as of right now. Yeah. Uh, women's is 9-3, in the conference. Men's is 6-4-1-3-1 in the conference. So that was their first conference loss. Right. Uh, volleyball. Oh. And they didn't win a set last week. They did not win a um, single set. And some of them, some of the numbers weren't great. Um, no. Yeah, they're struggling. And it hurts. It hurts my heart. I I had this uh, conversation with somebody over homecoming. So their last banner is in 2002 from the NCAA tournament. They lost in the second round. The floor. They beat Florida State in the first round. I was in, in fact, they, beat, they in fact they beat their current head coach, I believe, <laughs> in that first round, and then in the second round they lost to um, the Gators, a Gator team that went to the Final Four. First set was I think it, that back then you played to thirty, and I think they lost the first set like thirty five thirty three, and there was a miss there was a miss call that was mm-hmm. that burned in my soul from the Saturday total double they didn't call it. So we started I started working with the team in two thousand and three. After that 2002 season, um, I started working with them on their golf tournament. I've been to every golf tournament since, and they haven't put another banner up. So I think it's my fault. Um, that, I, you're, I'm you're, right. myself. you're the one out there. I'm going to blame myself. I'm going to blame Monty Marr, who is the other guy who actually does, who gives all the money for the tournament, um, who's been a fantastic benefactor for the program with his uh, former company, CSSI. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's us. Like, there's no other reason that makes sense that the team hasn't been able to get back to the NCAAs in, yeah. in 15 years. So blame Monty, blame Colin. But I don't know. Don't blame Claire and Courtney. Mm. So. Right. Uh, men's golf uh, finished uh, sixth at the FAMC Intercollegiate at the Grove in Tennessee last week. Uh, Which golf? Se- men or women? Men's. Okay. Uh, senior Jimmy Jones placed 12th individually. They ended up uh, carding a one-under, 280 seven on Tuesday's final round to move up two spots to tie for sixth. Um, their next event will be held a week from now at Quail Valley Collegiate Invitational in Vero. Um, Cross Country Junior uh, Cash Tampa. That is not a joke. Their name. real name. Hey, he, he went to my high school. Really? Did he? Yeah. How about that? Where's your high school? Creekside High School in Jacksonville. Okay. Oh, very nice. Um, Led the Bulls to second straight meet, uh, time of 26-25 in the 8K, so good for them. Um, they finished. They placed three runners in the top 25. Sailing, because we do sailing on this podcast, damn it. That is some, some... And you know your sailing coach is an Olympic gold medalist? Really? Yeah. Good for Allison her. Allison her? Yeah. yeah. Her, her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoops. They qualified and not for the, the first Olympic gold medalist to be a head coach at USF. Gigi Fernandez was our tennis coach, and she won a gold medal in doubles. Um, so they qualified for the ACC Women's Fall Championships coming up in mid-November with a second-place finish. So good for them. Yeah, that's it. 
Good job, you. That's um, a good summary of all your sports. Yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Earlier this week, uh, we Wednesday lost. night, early Thursday morning. Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Lost maybe the nicest guy I've ever met at USF. Yeah. By far. Um, Associate Athletic Director of Communications, Mike Radomsky, uh passed away in a car accident, um, coming home from work at 1 a.m., because that's what he does. He yeah. he worked his ass off all of the time and cared about everything. See, before he had the basketball job, he was the SID for sailing. And he mm-hmm. learned so much about sailing. And I remember talking to him about sailing and the passion he had for a sport that it's not even on Tampa's campus. It's right. St. Pete. No one cares about sailing. It was the same passion he had for baseball for basketball for volleyball for volleyball when he did it i mean it's i I just like so you're gonna always see when somebody passes away like all the great things that they did in their life and um you know people always say positive things nobody's ever gonna say oh that guy was a real jerk or anything but um the difference is with mike is that it was all true he that and and he just always had a smile on his face he loved this job and quite frankly you know, if you're coming from a lot of other places, sometimes USF it can't be the easiest place to work in college athletics. I, it can I've be noticed. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many years have you been with us now? <laughs> uh, I don't know, coming up on two, two, maybe? two, yeah. three, something like that. But like, this can be a real, real challenging place for a lot of different reasons. And Mike was just one of those guys that did not care. He loved it here. He loved being a part of it. He loved being at games. He, you know, the, I, I posted that picture that I, I got from his Facebook. Um, you know, he goes to college game day, and he's wearing all this stuff, and says it's so much warmer in Tampa. Go Bulls. You know, he graduated from Quinnipiac. He worked at Evansville. He had no tie before he got here, and he just loved it here. You know, and that was the kind of guy he is. So he moved here. If you didn't know, his wife works at UF. And so they were um, commuting Back about 60 miles each way a day because they still wanted to live together. So that's why he was up in was it Wildwood. Well, yeah, he was, was living in Wildwood. Living um, in Wildwood. And, and so made that trek every single day. And, you know, up and he was back. You know, heading home at 1 a.m. And I'm sure he was going to be back at 9. And, and, you know, I remember when he first got here, I said, are, are you crazy for doing this? You know, like because we were in a baseball press box one day. And I was like. Oh my God, that sounds insane. To mm-hmm. He's like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna try and make it work. Uh, just you know, and, and so his wife Christina and her mother came to the football game. I, I guess a lot of you guys saw the moment of silence. I somehow missed it. I didn't. I thought they were gonna do it later, and so I actually got in the elevator. I was in the elevator during the moment of silence, which, but then I saw Christina and her mother um, in the press box after you know during the game. The service is. There's a, a wake Thursday night, and then the service is Friday morning. And uh, USF sent in a couple of people up there in New Jersey, where New Jersey, Mike was. Where Mike was from? From. And... You know, I I didn't really know him, and then uh, before too well, and then he got here, and um, he was from Quinnipiac, and I knew he was a Quinnipiac guy, and Quinnipiac made the Frozen Four, and I was working uh, the Frozen Four with the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, and I had a spot like a big one of those big cutout areas in Amelie where I was you know we were doing a social media station for people 
checking in for the game and stuff like this. And, and I had like a, a place for him to stand. So his, his tickets were like way up in the, in the upper deck and, and him and, and Christina came down and watched the, the game with us, like in this little standing room area, which was a lot closer to the ice. And he was just so thankful that, you know, like just to see his team and like, mm-hmm. he was a huge Quinnipiac guy. And, you know, I, I talked to uh, somebody else who I, who I know from, from the Big East miles from, uh, who used to work for the, for the American conference and now is with uh, Quinnipiac as well. And, just everyone like that you talk to were just all I mean, you know that devastated like, like he was we're all just like devastated. Um He was the first guy I met you he was the first guy you introduced me to when you hired me. Really? For yep. Okay. Um we went to the baseball press box and you asked me, Well, what do you want to start covering? I was like, you know, I was covering the Tampa Yankees, so I'll cover baseball. And he's like, Perfect. Mike, here's your guy. And so that yes. dreadful 2016 <laughs> season, him and I, you know, sat next to each other pretty much every home game and yeah. shot the shit and, you know, just infectious guy. Um, the nicest kid. Like, so, like okay, if I get if something horrible happens to me, everybody's going to go, Colin was the nicest kid. Yeah, Colin was, Colin was a, sarcastic. Colin was such a sarcastic jerk. He was, you know, he was funny and had a sense of humor, but he was such a sarcastic, you know, pain in the ass. But, like, that was never Mike. Like, he just, he was all, you know, he just, he smiled all the time and he was so happy and he was so happy with what he was doing and he was happy with his life and his wife. And that's why it sucks so bad because somebody who was so happy to have this happen at 29. Yeah. So it's just awful. So we are still hearing about scholarships. Tyler, did you know him as well? Like, did- Well, I, I really met him uh, Well, this semester just because he was at you know, all the press conferences and stuff. So I got to know him through that. We didn't really talk all the time. Mm-hmm. But every single time I met him, we'd always be like, "Hey, how's like how's your day going? You know, how have you been?" And it's like, "Oh, I'm I'm doing great." And it's just like, you know, he again, we barely knew each other, but he was so willing to, you know, to, he was just he was really nice. Every time I got to talk to him, I could just felt like I could easily approach him, and whatever I needed, he was just, he was just extremely helpful. So it, it's it's tough. It really is. Um. So. I just um, wanted to just share one little text exchange that I had with him. Yeah, I posted mine. I don't know if you saw um, it. Yeah, me I did. Just, just bagging, <laughs> me just bagging on his basketball. Like, well, that's moved. one way. <laughs> He's you know his basketball team last year. Like I mean, he he got moved into that to that role when Steve Schoen left for uh, TCU. Yeah. In the middle of the season, and so uh, my inherent nature is, of course, to give Mike a hard time because that's just you know if I you, you only pick on the ones you love. And, uh, so I just give Mike rashes of like Mike, you were literally covered. Congratulations, you have now inherited the worst men's basketball team in USF history, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and stuff like that. And um, you know he, uh, but he was just so good, and he was so happy to have that job. And he, by the way, he loved Brian Gregory. He yes. was so excited about he that. He was team. very excited to work, you know, with him and to promote this team. I mean, yeah. he was. He was all for it. And uh, so this is from December, December 7th, which, uh, if you may recall, uh, is the day Willie Taggart took the organ job. Oh, yeah. So Pearl he, Harbor Day. <laughs> yeah. So I shot him a text and said, fun day at the office, huh? He says, yep, updating the volleyball records on the website. 
Why? Did something else happen today? <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, Shun's leaving, too. Uh, say it was about the same day. Wow. Like, oh, yeah, biggest news of the week over here. <laughs> it's just that he had a very good sense of humor, and he was he was very willing to take our uh, ribbing about Everything. bad teams. And, uh, you know, this past season, the 2017 season, was the first time he hadn't covered baseball. He hadn't been a part of the baseball program or at any stop. Right. So it was nice for, you know, in retrospect for them to, you know, win 40 games and him see, a, you know, a great team just succeed. Yeah, and he really and he really loved it too. And and so and then, you know, getting men's basketball, which is a promotion, you know, men's yeah, basketball. It's a, it's a big time promotion. It's a big he promotion. Me, you know, these jobs don't open. They don't. Very often. You know, these, the guys that are there, they're for their lifers. And and he got that job because Steve left and, and took the same job at TCU, and um, so he got a midseason promotion and was you know they did you know they wasn't necessarily that he was going to finish out he was going to not necessarily get the job the following mm-hmm. year but he did such a good job in one of the toughest circumstances in college basketball going from yeah. the firing of Orlando Antigua to the investigation and Bartow and the whole thing and then he handled it really really well and including like not calling me back when the players missed the plane. Like, yes. Oh, I should, I'm I, sure that was. Oh, I should tell that story. So, the players missed the plane coming back from Houston, or I guess they were playing Tulsa. They were playing Tulsa. And they they were playing left. Tulsa, and they got left in Houston Hobby Airport. Yep. So, players get left in the airport. I have I get tipped off on like a Friday or Saturday night, and I'm in St. Pete, and uh, somebody tipped me off that the players missed the flight. So, I instantly call Mike. Doesn't pick up, and the the kind of weird rule that I have with those guys over there is, and this applies to all the SADs, is if they know they can't tell me something, then I don't want to lie to me. So sometimes they just sort of ignore <laughs> my calls, texts, whatever. So I call Mike. Doesn't pick up. I send him a text. I said, "You left two players in the airport." Call me back. Da, 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 da. So I know I've got enough to run it. They don't. I give them an opportunity to call me back. They don't call me back. I get. I come back to Tampa. I run the story. Then I I call the next day. He doesn't pick up. I call his boss the next day. He doesn't pick up. Blah 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 blah. And then eventually, like I guess on Monday morning or something, they finally get in touch with me and start to figure it out. And then the next time I saw Mike. He looked at me so sheepishly, like I, like he was like scared that I was gonna like jump down his throat, that I was gonna be like mad. I'm not mad. Like it's just sort of how it works. Is like they can't sometimes talk to us because they don't have anything to say. And uh, I think I think it was actually in the baseball press box, actually, um, somewhere something like that. And I saw him, and and uh, and he, but he, I, I remember he was just like, yeah, we were walking up the stairs of baseball. He was just like terrified that I was gonna like yell at him. I was like, Mike, I just go walked over, I give him a big hug. <laughs> like, hi, Mike, <laughs> come here, hey buddy. Hey buddy. And I, and he's like, he's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, don't, no, no, I get it, I understand. That's that's kind of how it works. But the fact that he was like actually afraid that like I was really mad at him. When I mean, you know, that's just kind of how he took this job. He took it so seriously, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so that was Mike. And uh, we're all going to miss him. Funeral's Friday. And then um, 
there's talk of doing a service down here in Tampa as well. I don't know when that's going to happen, but there's also going to be, uh, apparently they're trying to set up from what I've heard, some kind of scholarship that's also going to be available. And so we're going to uh, do whatever we can to help that out. I also know that, um, one of our friends in the area, Irish 31 is also going to be helping with that scholarship as well. They're going to do a fundraiser, uh, and try and get that money to Mike too. And so for that, for that scholarship, so we'll go from there. So, um, sorry for ranting too long on this, but, uh, Kind of need to get it out. I mean, yeah. I've been. We've all been holding it for, you know, almost a week now, and it did. This one's been rough. It, it, so, like my my mom died in 2015, and I kind of knew it was coming. But what it it's the ones that you don't expect that kind of hit the hardest, and this one definitely hit hit pretty close to all of us at the Daily Stampede and around USF Athletics who knew them. Yeah. But, I th- yeah, so uh, we're done. We're done. So, anyway, what a fun note to go out on. Oh, yeah. Day. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. We may have to flip that around. Mike would have found the humor in that, by the way. So, anyway, um, thanks for listening. Uh, we will. We're sending somebody to Tulane. I am still, I, I think I'm going to be able to go now. I wasn't sure before. I think I'm going to be able to go. But either way, Connor's definitely going to be there. Ryan's definitely going to be there. Connor will be in the press box. I think Ryan's going to be drunk. Um, Carl will also be there. Carl will be there. Yeah. Passed out. Carl. Um, Carl Z. Carl's, Carl Z is bringing his lady friend. We totally forgot about that. Oh, we had to make fun. So oh, Carl. Oh, my God. He's bringing his lady Carl friend. Carl is bringing yeah. his lady friend, which, by the way, like, <laughs> the jokes we had on in Slack <laughs> we were can't, I don't fantastic. think we can even put them on this podcast. Oh, God. They were so good. <laughs> what, a, what a champ. <laughs> I oh, mean, that, yeah, that, that, do that, we need to warn this girl? Do we need to, like, like man, if she doesn't know by now, <laughs> she's never going to know. So... <laughs> She's a lost cause. Good, Good luck. luck. Oh, gosh. This, don't look. We're we're rooting for you. Just you know, blink twice if if you're a hostage. Like <laughs> Carl Z, ladies and gentlemen. Carl Z. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, sign off from here. Um, but uh, we will do something in Tulane, and uh, we will try and get up at least something up on Facebook Live. Also, um, Bulls oh, yeah. Radio will be there. Listen in. That's right. The timers will be there. Where are you guys staying? We're, uh, uh, it's kind of funny. We're staying in a Motel 6. In, like, Metairie or, like, I'm further? assuming it's near the airport because that's where Oof. all our other hotels and stuff have been, if I if yeah. I had to guess. You know how Motel far six. that is? You know how far the, hotel, the airport is in New Orleans? How far is it? It's far. It's far, especially. Like, it's like a 30 or 40 dollar Uber ride from the airport. So too. it's like TIA to USF. No. I can get from TIA to USF in an Uber for... 21, 20 Well, we had the ECU where we, uh, our hotel was like an hour or so from yeah. the actual campus. So yeah, that's even worse. So, <laughs> oh well. All right, all right, we're out of here. Go balls, go balls.